Easy now. Easy now. Thank you so much. You're very, very excitable this morning. It's lovely to see you. Hello to you over in S2. I'm going to get rid of the welcome bag because I've joined the church. Um, great to be with you. I hope you're doing well. Are you having a good summer so far? Yes. Welcome back to all the teenagers who were at New Day. Anybody at New Day? Youth camp last week. Brilliant. We had four children at the New Day Youth Camp, and our washing machine has been on 24-7 ever since then. But all is good. Uh, well, if you're visiting us, perhaps along for the first time, you're joining us partway through our mini-series uh, where we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit um, from a passage in the Bible called, uh, called Galatians 5. And um, we're really trying to answer the question of what does a life given over to God look like? You know, what, what, what should be some of the impacts? How should it influence and affect our lives? Not from a point of view of trying really hard to be good, but what should be the overflow? What should spill out from us? as we encounter God more and more and get closer and closer to him. And so we've been rooted in this uh, great little passage, and we're going to read it through um, together, and then I'm going to let you know to today's subject. So um, it's, we're going to read from verse 16, and uh, it says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of, uh, kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And then down in verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so there's so much in this brief little passage that we're spending some time over the summer to unpack it together. And this morning, we get together to look at the subject of Patience, which I know you're going to be so excited about. Uh, it's just possible this might be relevant to some of us. Uh, many of us in the room, you know, we can't wait to get into this, which is part of your problem. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to look at this subject together, and it's just possible that it might be relevant to you and I. Uh, the dictionary defines patience as this. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Some of you are already experiencing the conviction of the Lord. Here's my favorite definition of patience from the Collins Dictionary. If you have patience, you are able to stay calm and not get annoyed. For example, when something takes a long time or when someone is not doing what you want them to do. Any, anybody, any takers out there? Do you struggle with patience, I wonder? Does that sound a little bit like you this morning? But I recognize this may not be for everyone. Perhaps this isn't for you this morning. Perhaps you're okay with patience. Perhaps it's for the person you're sat next to. If so, just keep nudging them during the course of the talk, because I'm sure they'll find that very helpful this morning. Just do a practice nudge right now. Maybe even turn to them and say, I'm so glad you're here this morning because I think you've got issues. Why don't you just say that to them? I'm sure that will bless them, no end. Great, so if we establish this applies to some of us, it might even apply to some of us this morning. So for instance, was there any impatience in your household this morning as you rushed to come out to church? Kids. Were any of your mums and dads a bit impatient or grumpy this morning? Don't raise your hands. Actually, don't, don't raise your hands. That's, that's not going to go well. That's, that was a bad idea. What about those of us? Anybody normally come to the 11.30 a.m. meeting, yeah? A few in this room. I'm guessing quite a number over in S2. Um, for some of us, 
hello to you. For some of us, um, we, we like 10.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I didn't even know there was a 10.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So you're already feeling stressed about things. Um, for others of us, we, we dashed in and we thought we were here on time, only to discover that the guys in the yellow jackets sent us all the way over to the far end of the car park. Yeah, Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Of course, it doesn't help that we live in such a fast-paced world. Um, did you know that um, in our digitally connected world, the average person spends 20 mi more minutes online or in front of a screen than they do actually sleeping? So over eight hours a day. And because of that, because everything happens on screens for so many of us, we're used to things happening really quickly at the touch of a button. Uh, the other day, I had... Um, uh, for dinner, I had a frozen chicken tikka masala um, because curry is part of God's ab abundant blessing on mankind. And um, uh, I looked at the instructions, and it said, it said, cook for three minutes, then peel that little foil thing, or the, the plastic thing off, and then stir it, and then cook it for another three minutes, and then leave it to stand for one minute. I added it up like seven minutes. This isn't a ready meal. <laughs> I haven't got seven minutes to do my dinner. What is this? And I felt annoyed and affronted. <laughs> when something takes longer than we think it should, we start to get angry, don't we? We feel like something is wrong and we feel justified by that. Do any of you parents here, adults here, remember the Jamie Oliver 30-minute cookbook? Can anybody remember that? There was a national outcry, wasn't there? Because these 30-minute meals took an hour and a half to blooming cook. <laughs> 90 minutes, so there's like, something wrong here. And just to show you how uh, invested in this we are and how we, we get so frustrated, I've devised a little quiz for us because so often for so many of us, it can feel like the world is moving too slow for us, can't it? And I've got a little quiz for you to show you what I mean. Don't worry, it won't take long. Um, so <laughs> let's, I've just got five quick questions for you. You can answer with the person next to you, all right? So, um, Number, question number one, one of the places that can seem so slow is when you're in the queue to check out in the supermarket. Anybody do that? And you, you pick what you think is going to be the shortest queue, but the person in front of you has got coupons, and then the till roll runs out, and all that stuff. It can feel stressful. So how long is the average queue in a UK supermarket? We're talking about Sainsbury's here, okay? Um, the average queue, is it 100 seconds that you're queuing for, 200 seconds, or 300 seconds? Quickly turn to the person next to you. Which one of those is the right answer? Are you ready? <laughs> Love it. Have you got an answer now? One of my aims for the summer is to learn my alphabet, so apologies on that. We're gonna go. We're gonna go with A, B, or B. Um, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> the correct answer. Which one do you think is 100, 200, or 300? The correct answer is actually 100 seconds. But if you go to Tesco's, you've got to wait an extra 11 seconds. Can you believe it? And if you go to Aldi, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Aldi, please don't sue me. Um, are you ready? So that's that one. Okay, speaking of queues, this photo was taken back in May on Mount Everest. And this is the queue to get to the summit of Mount Everest, Everest so you can take your selfie. 
How long was the queue at the top of Mount Everest? Was it 45 minutes, 60 to 90 minutes, or two to three hours? Which do you think it was? Turn to the person next to you. Okay, you ready? It was, in fact, two to three hours at the top of Mount Everest. And you can't send out for pizza or anything. So, so that's the first two questions. I hope you're two for two so far. Next area that can cause impatience and frustration, traffic lights. You seem to be forever waiting on a red traffic light. What is the average wait time in the UK at a set of traffic lights? Were you waiting for it to go to red, from red to green? Is it five seconds, 12 seconds, or 16 seconds? Turn to the person next to you. I hope you're getting them right in S2. <laughs> Have you got an answer? Are you ready? The average wait time in the UK at a set of traffic lights is actually five seconds. I know. I don't believe that either. It's got to be longer than that. I know. I know. Some of you feel that's so wrong. I, I know. All right, maybe we're on safer ground. Safer ground with broadband speeds. Now, young people, you're going to have to help your parents with this, all right? But what is the minimum speed you need of your broadband to be able to play Fortnite on the computer? And we're talking here FPS, which is frames per second. I know that because I'm down with the kids. Um, and anybody who says they're down with the kids really isn't. OK, what is the speed? Is it 40 FPS, 60 or 100? What do you think? Young people, help out your parents. What do you think? What do you think it is? Some of us are like, what is Fortnite? Have you got your answer? The speed you need is actually 60 frames per second. So well done, young people. And then finally, final question, because some of you have been impatient for this to finish. The final question is, on average in the UK, how long do you need to wait for the lift to arrive? And you keep you're pressing that button, okay? I know, some of you are like tense already, aren't you, with this? Is it 12 seconds, 20 seconds, or 24 seconds? Turn to the person next to you, which is it? Have you got an answer? Well, the correct answer is, in actual fact, 24 seconds. That's why it feels so long. It's because it is so long. Psychologists have now identified something called lift rage. Not road rage, but lift rage. It's a real thing. So I wonder, how did you get on? Anybody get five out of five? About two, two of you have got maybe some honesty issues. But OK, anybody like... <laughs> Four out of five, anybody? Great, brilliant. Well, if you've got five out of five in your Overness 2, come and shake me by the hand at the end. Congratulations to you. So there you go, just a little snapshot of the world we live in and how some things only take seconds but feel like much longer to us.
And obviously, some of that is understandable. Um, nobody wants to wait in a queue, particularly at the top of Mount Everest. And uh, if your broadband is too slow and you're playing Fortnite, you get killed, which is a bad thing. It's kind of natural to want things to come quickly and easily to us, isn't it? That's human nature. But the trouble comes when we expect everything to come quickly and easily to us. It's one thing to be impatient at a traffic light or frustrated when a microwave curry takes so long to cook. But at the end of the day, that's not the end of the world. The difficulty comes when we place those same expectations on the people around us. That's when damage gets done, isn't it? When we expect people to respond or do things at our pace, and they won't. If you get impatient with a computer screen, the computer doesn't care. No harm done. But it's different when your impatience is directed at the people around you, the people right up next to you. That's when true damage can be done. And fortunately, Pixar have created a movie just specially for us to help illustrate this point. So it's a classic Pixar little short movie we're going to watch now. So I wonder if we could put that on the video. Have you ever noticed that it's those people that are right up next to you that annoy you the most? You're stuck behind them on the motorway, or they're in the office cubicle next to you, or they live next door, or they're in the same class at school, or even in the same family, or you're married to them, or whatever. <laughs> These different people frustrate you the most. And, and here's the thing. What so often happens is our response to the people right next to us is one of impatience. That's our response. But what they receive, actually, is rejection. So we, our impatience, they hear and feel as rejection of them. As someone once said, we save our worst for those that we're closest to. And we don't want to live that way. We don't want to save our worst for the ones that we love the most. So that's the problem. We live in this crazy, fast-paced modern world, but that brings frustration and impatience, and it damages the relationships around us. So if that's the problem, well, then... How do we move on to solution? How do we move from a place of intolerance and frustration to one of peace and patience with those around us? Let me briefly, just as we uh, draw into the second half here, let's, let's look at two ways of thinking and two ways of living as a solution to these things. The first way of thinking is to remember that God has actually been incredibly patient with us, with you and I. Uh, Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 1.16. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul is saying we all feel, fall a long way short of God's standards, even the great apostle Paul himself. You know, some people think that Christianity is about being a good person, but that's not the case at all. It's about realizing that you're not a good person, that we needed Jesus to die for each and every one of us on the cross in order that we could join his family and know him as our father. Think of it this way. God has so much patience and love towards us that he sent Jesus to die for us. Not only that, but he continues to have patience for us, his children. Uh, parents in, in the room will know firsthand that parenting requires ongoing patience. 
Now, often with the same issue that comes up time and time again. Uh, take, for instance, keeping bedrooms tidy. Kids, any, any takers for this one? Uh, keeping bedrooms tidy. Many young people no longer use the chest of drawers. Instead, they use the floor drobe. It's a new phenomenon. <laughs> and so all the clothes are stored on the floor drobe, and you can access them at any time. My own children were terrified that I was going to put photos of their bedrooms up there, but um, you're, you're safe, kids. So if that's the practical world, but think about your spiritual life as well. Are you repeatedly doing the same things over and over again where you need God's patience? Think of all the times when you've made the same mistake or the same sinful choice over and over again. Every selfish choice that you've made, every unkind joke you've made at somebody else's expense. I think myself of all the times I've relied on myself instead of trusting in what God says. I think of all the times when I've worried time and time again instead of prayed about a situation. I think of all the times when I've failed to trust him that he will provide for me and my family. And now over the decades, he has time and time and time again been patient with me. Because, you know, the more you think about how patient God is with you, then the more that will spill over into the people around you. You'll naturally be more patient with those that you're right up next to. The next time you mess up or make a sinful decision, why don't you say to yourself or say to God, I'm so sorry, God, thank you that you're still patient with me. So the first way of thinking is to remember that God is patient and continues to be patient with us. The second way of thinking is to remind yourself that he's the guide for your life. Impatience comes very often when something or someone blocks our path and is in our way. Uh, so it's the driver who refuses to hurry up, um, or the kid who won't get off the rope swing or, or the death slide and let us have a go, or the call centre that leaves you on hold for 20 minutes, or the person in the housing chain who just won't get a move on so that you can move house, or the two-year-old who wants to stop and look at a flower whilst you're trying to get your five-year-old to school on time. The thinking is, I, I need to get this job done. I need to arrive on time. I need to get my report finished. I need to move house or be with my friends. I've got to do this thing, and this person is in my way. At the end of the day, it's about my life, my plans, my time scale and my priorities. Whereas Paul writes and says, no, 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 let the Holy Spirit guide your life. We're meant to be on his time scale, working to his priorities and doing things his way. So often, you see, God is more interested in who you are becoming than where you are going. You see, he can promote you or relocate you or get you to move class in school in the blink of an eye. But it's what's going on in the heart that truly matters. Very often we think, don't we, if this one thing would get sorted, then all the rest of life will be okay. For instance, if you ever thought, you know, if I just suddenly had a whole load of cash, that would fix everything in my life for me. Um, have any of you been to McDonald's where they're doing that uh, Monopoly thing? Anybody done that? And they've got the little, little stickers that you peel off on your drinks carton and, and there's the potential to win £100,000. So you gingerly peel it off to discover that you've won a ketchup sachet or something like that, you know, or, or one of those pies that have lava inside them and are too hot to eat. And you think, oh, if only I'd won that, everything would be all right. Well, maybe it would help you to know that 70% of people who win the lottery are broke seven years later. It's proof that getting something instantly isn't always good for us. 
Have you ever met someone, for instance, whose parents gave them whatever they wanted whenever they wanted it? It turns out that spoiled kids aren't actually the most attractive people. They've never had the satisfaction of saving up for something or working towards something. And it turns out that taking time to acquire something or get something is often good for us. We kind of grow into this new thing rather than having it instantly. Um, I brought here this morning uh, my sheath knife. This is my um, sheath knife. And um, uh, as a kid, I used to like making camps in the woods and bow and arrows and sharpening pointy sticks because, and uh, I've had this since I was 12, Uh, but I actually wanted to get this sheath knife from when I was nine, but my mum and dad kept saying no, and the reason was that I had to demonstrate that I could handle having something like this. I had to demonstrate that I was trustworthy enough to own it. They were concerned that, you know, I'd go out and I'd try and throw it into a tree, or my brother, or something like that. And in the end, what happened was I joined the scouts. And the only reason I joined the scouts was really so that I could get the axe and the knife badge and I'd be allowed to have one of these things. And now I've had it 38 years and it's one of my sort of prized possessions. And it's all the more precious to me because I've waited for it. You see, my mum and dad could have given it to me any time, but I needed to be mature enough in order to handle the gift they wanted to give me. And how I responded to the delay was actually what got me ready to receive it. Do you see? God has big plans for you. You're destined to change the world, to bring about his kingdom of love and compassion and justice on the earth. But God needs to do a work in your heart along the way. You need to become a more patient person. And you can't become a patient person unless you experience setbacks. Because otherwise, you don't have anything to be patient with. But rather, what happens is God allows certain situations to happen to us in this life so that he can shift us from our plans onto his plans done his way on his time scale. My question is to you, what is God wanting to do in your heart through the things that frustrate you at the moment? What is God wanting to do in your heart through the people that frustrate you at the moment? Patience is the fruit of a life given over to God. It's the overflow of a contented heart, which can say, God, not my way, but your way. So that's the way that we think. Well, just as we come into a landing, what about the ways of living? How should this work out in our lives? Who should we be patient with, first of all? Uh, Paul writes this um, to the church in Thessalonica, and he says this. He covers a range of different areas and different situations. He says this, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, to warn lazy people, encourage people who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak. But then he says this at the end, be patient with everyone. So whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, apply patience to every single situation. Did you see that? Everyone in every situation. It means being patient when this happens, when you're stuck behind a tractor. It means being patient when a stranger dribbles on your shoulder during the flight. It means when you go to the wedding reception and you go to the buffet and there's nothing left, except, of course, the pasta salad, because there's always pasta salad left. It means being patient when you receive smug Instagram photos like this from your friends on the beach. It means being patient with everyone in every situation. 
I'd like you to think for a moment, who is the person who frustrates you the most, more than anybody else? Now point at them. No, just kidding. <laughs> who is the person who frustrates you the most? Is it, is it a colleague? Is it someone in your group in church? Is it someone in your family? Is it a brother or a sister? Well, I want you to remember, they're not in your life so you can change them. They're in your life so that they can change you. So we're called to be patient with everyone we come across because God's working on us. We're a work in progress. And then finally, our last way of living as we're being patient with everyone, of course, is this, to be patient with ourselves. I really felt to finish with this. Because, of course, everyone, the Apostle Paul writes about, includes you, doesn't it? And sometimes the person we struggle the most to be patient with is us. Here are some indicators for you that maybe you're not as patient with yourself as you could be. Try these on for size. Number one, you have really high or unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of yourself. Um, you, you've, for instance, you pick, start a new skill and you, you're really frustrated when you don't pick it up as quickly as you think you should and you get annoyed with yourself. DIY is a classic for that in my, my experience. Number two is this. If you've accidentally offended someone, you feel full of shame and embarrassment. And it's like it just stays with you and you can't shake it off. Number three, when you mess up, you call yourself names. You say, that, oh, you fool or you idiot. Why did you do that? And you almost sort of curse yourself. Number four is this. You're impatient with your forgetfulness. So what, what are you like if you miss and forget someone's birthday or anniversary? Or you say you're going to meet up with them and then forget all about it and stand them up. How do you deal with that? How do you feel afterwards? Some of us are really impatient with ourselves in that moment. And number five is this. You replay past mistakes in your mind. You can even picture the scene. You can remember very clearly how much you missed and pass mark by in that test or that exam or when you failed in that job interview. And it's like you replay and punish yourself over and over again with the things that you messed up in the past. You know, we're not meant to live that way. 1 Corinthians 13 beautifully says what love is. Do you remember the first word it describes what love is like? It says love is patient. You and I are called to be patient, not just with other people around us, but with yourself. How good are you at being patient with yourself? Most of us need to repent somewhere in the area of, of patience. But for some of us, the person you need to repent of impatience with is you. And this morning, God had us look at this subject because he wants to help you with that. He doesn't want you to live under the weight of that guilt and that self-persecution. It's time this morning, folks, to give yourself permission to get it wrong, to make mistakes. Some of us are still beating ourselves up long after the Father has forgiven us. Let me ask you this morning, do you need to turn away from being impatient with yourself? Do you need to instead to choose to be a patient, unhurried version of yourself and to let the mistakes that you've made go? Because we've seen all along, patience is the overflow of a contented heart.